Today we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We read verses 1 through 15. We read in Jesus' name. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I give you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that you are the one who sent your son Jesus, who is the church's one foundation. Father, help us to build upon the foundation of Jesus using those things that will remain. And may you receive all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know how long a pastor usually stays at a congregation? I did a little uh, research on that. And the average stay, anybody want to guess? Someone said five years. I found about four years. Four years. So if, if this church was like a typical church after we came in 2000 to this day, you would be on your sixth pastor. And that's like, wow, that's a lot of change. You probably have to have a, an ongoing call committee and kind of like a revolving door. Here's another one comes, another one, another one. And I really feel that you can't really get to know people in a congregation in, in, in a short time. It, it takes Time for a pastor to get to know his congregation and for them to know him as well. After 22 years, it's time to move on. Another pastor will be preaching from this pulpit. So I want to talk to you about you and your next pastor. I didn't know if we'd know this by now, but we know who it is. And whether it is Pastor Todd Erickson or anybody else, 
I would have shared the same message today. There are two simple points in our text, but they have big ramifications if we don't embrace them. Very simple truths. Notice, first of all, your next pastor will have different gifts. Different gifts. This point might seem to be so obvious that it doesn't even need to be mentioned, but it is important to understand this. Just as every congregation, every believer, every believer in every congregation has different gifts, the same is true with every pastor. And that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Can you imagine what it would be like if every pastor was the same? It would be like going through some of our neighborhoods where every house looks the same. Ever been through those neighborhoods? It's just like it's the same color and it just looks the same. I think I would wonder if I had arrived at the right house. Yeah, okay, knock on the door or open the door and I'm home, honey, and some lady chases me out with a broom. This is not your house. Okay. Every pastor is not the same. A variety of Gifts in the body of Christ is God's doing. We have to rejoice in that. We have to rejoice that God has given different gifts. He's made all of us different. And for the next chapter in the life of this congregation, he is providing for you a pastor who will be what this congregation needs for such a time as this, to take a phrase from Scripture. And thankfully, he will be different from me. He might even be better looking than me. I said might, okay? And I emphasize the word might. So let me give you some advice. First of all, don't expect everything to stay the same. It is not going to stay the same because churches are always in a process of change. And when a new pastor comes, things are going to be different in one way or Another. That's okay. Embrace it. Embrace it. And secondly, a subject that this text deals with very clearly, do not fall into what I would call the comparison trap. It is a trap. Don't fall into the comparison trap. Paul's first letter here to the Corinthians makes it clear that this is one of the things that really plagued The Corinthians. They had three men, three spiritual leaders who were involved in the life of their congregation and they were not able to appreciate the differences. We go back to chapter 1 and Paul says this in verse 10, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. What's he talking about? Verse 11, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by close people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. So there were at least four factions within that Corinthian congregation. Can you imagine what that would be like? Where you have four different groups within one congregation and they could not 
seemed to get along. And they weren't divided in terms of doctrine. They were divided in terms of who was their favorite spiritual leader. In this text today, Paul says that's a problem. In fact, he says that is a sign of spiritual immaturity. He says it's childish. In verse 1, he says, Brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. And he goes on to describe then what he means, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and not walking like mere men? And here's the, the strife. For one says, I am of Paul. Another says, I am of Apollos. Are you not mere men? Warren Wiersbe says, the babes in Corinth were fighting over which preacher was the greatest, Paul, Apollos, or Peter. He said, it sounded like little children in the playground. Ever heard little children in the playground arguing about whose dad was better? You know, my dad's better than your dad. My dad's stronger than your dad. My dad makes more money than your dad. My dad is better. You know, little kids. That's what was going on in Corinth. They were acting like little children. Little groups. Paul, Apollos, Peter, and so forth. And so the problem with the Corinthians is that they thought that the man was more important than the message. Because all of these men were in agreement. Paul, Peter, Apollos, they they believed in the truth of Scripture. It was not a doctrinal issue. It was a personality thing. Personality thing. I wish we could say that this doesn't happen in congregations today. But I have to tell you, it does. Sadly, it does. When a church has more than one pastor, I know of congregations where people would come on the Sunday when their favorite pastor was preaching, and then they didn't come the rest of those Sundays. How sad. How sad can that be? And when a pastor leaves a church, there are some people who also leave along with him. It makes you wonder, why why are you... In that church then, is it for a man? Is it for the pastor? And then the pastor leaves and and you leave as well? Many years ago, there was a man that told me, he said, I told another pastor, I'm not really getting very much out of the message. And so this pastor asked him, he said, does your pastor preach the word? Well, yeah, he does. He said, then the problem is with you. Oh, that's not quite what he was expecting to hear. He was expecting to say, well, maybe you should find another church. Oh, no. If the word of God is preached, that, that's the key. It's not the man. It's the message. Okay? It's the message. That doesn't mean that we're going to connect with every pastor we have during our lifetime in exactly the same way, right? I learned years ago 
But there are some people that I didn't connect with as well as the previous pastor did. And on the Sunday that I was leaving this one congregation, there was a lady who came up to me and at the door while I'm shaking hands, and she says, she said this to me. She said, I just started liking you, and now you're leaving. I said, thank you so much. You just made my day. I think she was kidding. At least that's what I'm going to believe. That's what I've believed all these years. That was, uh, that was just a funny joke, right? She couldn't be... Could she be serious? Maybe she was. But I've also learned that there are some people with whom I have been able to connect that previous pastors may not have been able to connect with. And what is the reason for that? Maybe part of it is that we have different gifts. Uh, God works in, in different ways. And if you examine the ministry of Paul and Apollos, you see two men who had very different gifts. Paul, what was he? Paul was a church planter, wasn't he? Paul was a missionary. He had an evangelistic ministry. On his missionary journey, many churches were started. Apollos was quite different. He was a teacher. He was the one who went into some of these congregations that Paul had started, and he was following up. He was he was establishing them in their faith. In fact, Acts 18, verse 24 says this, And when he, Apollos, wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. So that was the focus of his ministry discipling and following up on on those who had come to Jesus. And so it wasn't as if, you know, one was was better than the other. They, They both were important because they had different gifts, different ministries. So every pastor's different. And we ought to thank God for that. Now, Paul pictures this with a couple of illustrations. He gives an agricultural illustration. Starting in verse 5, he says, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? And he answers by saying, They are servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything Lost my place, but God who causes the growth. See why I'm retiring? Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. So, you don't have to be a farmer to understand this, right? If you're a farmer, you probably understand it better, but you don't have to be a farmer. You know that you need to plant the seed, you need to water the seed. And God is the one who causes that seed to grow. Okay, so is planting important and you don't need to water? Or can you water and have no seed to grow? No, I mean, they both are vitally important. And so when it comes to ministry, some are planting, some are watering. 
Both are needed. But he gives us a, a construction illustration. He moves on from God's field and he said, you are God's building, verse 9. And he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds, for there is no, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. I found it interesting. The word translated master builder by Paul here is the Greek word architecton. We get our English word architect from that. In our day, we think of an architect as one who designs a a building, in Paul's day, it was, it was a little bit broader term, one who both designs and builds a building. One author says that Paul was a combination architect and general contractor. The picture of, of, of uh, building that foundation, laying it upon Christ. And so Paul laid the foundation, Apollos built upon it. They each had their distinct roles based on how God had gifted them, and the Corinthians needed to appreciate both of them. So there's the point. Every pastor is different. Embrace that truth. Enjoy that. (laughs) That we're not all the same. Now I remember years ago, I was in college at the time, and we were going with our youth group to some churches. The youth group sang and then one of us would, would share a message. One of them was Pastor Lyndon Coronan. Another was me and then another guy. And so I spoke at this church where my dad was known. And I was thankful I didn't pass out. Um, one of the first times I ever spoke uh, publicly. Hang, just hanging on for dear life until I was done. And after the service, this man comes up to me. And he says to me, You need to be more like your dad. I just thought, oh my, oh my. They threw the mold away when when my dad was made. I thought, how in the world am I going to be like my dad? And I thought, man, oh man, I'm in in trouble. And so I, I told him that when I got home. And he said, you just be who God has made you. To be. And do not try to be like anyone else. Don't try to be like me. You just be who God has made you to be. Then he told me the story of when he was in seminary in his preaching class. The, the instructor, instructor told him to go, or the class, to go and listen to this one preacher. The reason... He has the gospel tone. You don't know what the gospel tone is? Well, he had it, whatever it was. And so my dad was trying to, I guess it was kind of a holy way of talking. You know, like, gracious father, I don't know how how it was. Anyhow, that gospel tone. And so my dad just couldn't, he just couldn't get the gospel tone. And the president of the church body came to visit, and he asked him, Herb, how's it going? He said, I don't know. He said, I just can't get the gospel tone. 
And he said, the gospel tone? What is that? Well, this instructor, we're supposed to go and listen to this guy because he has the gospel tone. And he started to laugh. He said, Herb, you just be who God has made you to be. And I would say that to all of you. Be who God made you to be. Use the gifts that God has given you. Embrace that. Whether it's a pastor or another in the, the fellowship, we are all different. Some of us are more different than others, right? I won't mention any names, but some of you are here. Secondly, your next pastor will have the same mission. Different gifts, but the same Mission, because all born-again, Bible-believing pastors are committed to their calling and have the same mission. This is clear as you look at Paul and Apollos. After describing how he planted and Apollos watered, listen to what he says, verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are what? Are one. Different gifts but the same mission. And when you know that your mission is a God-given mission, it makes a difference in how you approach that mission. And we see how Paul approached the mission that God had given him, first of all, with, with humility. There were some in Corinth who were, who were wanting to lift him up above Apollos and above Peter. What does Paul say in verse 5? He says, what, what, what then is Apollos? What, what, what is Paul? What was the answer? He says, servants. Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each. I planted Apollos water, but God was causing the growth. Then look at verse 7. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Far from thinking that he was really something because he was an apostle, Paul said, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm just a servant. God is the one who receives the glory. God is the one who does the work. I am just a servant. And that ought to remind you of someone. That ought to remind you of Jesus, right? Matthew 20, verse 25, But Jesus called His disciples to Himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It's not this way with you. This is not the way ministry works. You don't lord it over people. But whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So to this congregation who are exalting different men, Paul says, who are we? We're just servants. We're, we're nothing. You should not be exalting us. Jesus did not come in that way. And Paul, Paul approached his ministry with, with dependence upon God. And notice he mentions it twice so we don't miss the point. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Verse 6. 
So that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. I find great peace in that. That God is the one who causes the growth. That God is the one who takes the seed of his word that has been planted and watered and he brings forth the fruit because that takes the pressure off of me because I can't produce anything in anyone's life. I wish I could. There have been times I wish I could shake the gospel into some people, grab them by the lapels and say, when are you going to listen? When are you going to turn to Jesus? But that's God's work. And His Word is powerful. And when we share the life-giving, life-changing power of God's Word, then God produces fruit and God gets the glory. All glory to Jesus. John MacArthur says, No man, not even the best farmer or the best horticulturist, can give physical life or growth to a plant. How much less can anyone, even an apostle, give spiritual life or growth to a person? The most that men can do in either case is to prepare and water the soil and to plant the seeds. The rest is up to God. A human instrument is nothing but a tool. All the honor for the accomplishment goes to God. To God be the glory, right? Great things He has done. All praise to Him. And notice in verse 10, Paul approached his ministry with, with great carefulness. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Now this obviously applies to pastors, to those in ministry. No question about that. But notice how often he uses this phrase, each man or any man, in verses 10 through 15. He uses those phrases six times. As if to say this applies not just to Apollos and Peter and Paul and so forth. This applies to to all of us, doesn't it? We believe in the priesthood of all believers, don't we? As Reformation believers. There's not this priestly caste who, you know, you hire another clerical George if there's more to be done, right? We are all involved in this, not, not just pastors. And so these references say to us that every single one of us are to be involved in, in ministry. One author says, all of us, by what we say and do, to some extent, teach the gospel. No Christian has the right to be careless in representing the Lord and His Word. Every believer is to be a careful builder. We all have the same responsibility. So you're a builder if you know Jesus. You're part of being used by God to build His kingdom. And here at Grace, this is your sphere of ministry to be building the 
the kingdom of God through the ministry of, of Grace Free Lutheran. And notice how Paul illustrates by describing some of the building materials that were used in his day. Verse 12, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality, here's the phrase, of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through the fire. Notice there's two groups of uh, materials used here. And one group is gold and silver and precious stones. And the other group is wood and hay and straw. And Paul says it will be tested by fire. What happens to wood, hay, and straw when fire tests it? It is gone. It burns up. The other group, gold, silver, and precious stones, survives. It re- remains. And so what Paul is saying here is that all believers in Jesus are building something. The only question is whether it will remain. It's really not an issue of quantity. It's the issue of quality, right? Verse 13, the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. One author says, as long as believers are alive, they are building. They are building some sort of life, some sort of church, some sort of Christian fellowship and service. It may be a beautiful structure or a hovel. It may be by intention or by neglect, but it cannot help being something. That's something to think about, isn't it? We are building something with our life, our time, our talents, our treasures. We are involved in building something. What is it you're building? What is it you're building? Your pastor isn't the only builder who was involved in the ministry of this church. You are building something too. And if you expect your next pastor to be the sole architect, general contractor, laborer, builder, you have really missed what Scripture says about involvement in the kingdom of God. You are building. Be careful what you build. Be careful what you build. Use the gifts that God has given you to fulfill the mission that we all share. And may God receive the glory for what He accomplishes through weak, sinful servants like us who have been redeemed, who have been gifted to serve Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your desire to work through us, to enable us to be involved as builders, planters of your word. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for the pastor who will be here soon. We pray that this congregation would embrace him, would love him, 
pray for him and uh, support him in the calling that you've given to him. And then also to be involved, Lord, in the work of your kingdom. We are all building something. Pray that it would be quality work built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. For we pray in his name.